You are listening to the You Are Techie podcast, episode number 137. Welcome to the You Are Techie podcast, where it's all about growing in your techiness so you can find the tech job of your dreams. And now your host, technology learning coach, Ellen Toomey. So many moms returning to work have asked me how to get hired in a job that pays well, but also allows them to be the mom they want to be. And I've seen so many make the mistake of taking a job teaching English at 3 a.m. for $15 an hour. And that's just backward because your skills are highly valuable. And so is your time. That's why I put together free training to help you jumpstart your tech career by learning about the fields of UX design and front-end development. So you don't waste time on one more side hustle that isn't a career and doesn't give you the flexibility and income your family needs. I only offer these trainings twice a year, and it's available right now at the release of this episode. So sign up now for the helpful and interactive free training, Three Strategies to Jumpstart Your UX Design Career, or Three Strategies to Jumpstart Your Front-End Development Career. Sign up for one, the other, or both. It's all free. Go to youartechie.com slash sign up. That's Y-O-U. A-R-E-T-E-C-H-Y dot com slash S-I-G-N-U-P. I'll see you there. So good to be back at the mic. I know that if you're listening to this, you may have just listened last week, but I bet some episodes. So I haven't recorded in a while and I am really excited to be talking with you, my listeners, and hopefully with a few new listeners this week because I'm doing another episode for organizations. So if you're a hiring manager or you are an HR manager and you are someone who hires someone or wants to hire someone, today we're talking about hiring great tech talent. And for my listeners and my students, it's also a great opportunity for you to communicate, to learn how to communicate with organizations. And for those organizations who are on board with this, Those are the companies you want to work for. So let's dive in. The hiring process. So my aspiring techies are not a fan and neither am I. Let's talk about why that is. They feel like, and luckily it's not always true, but they feel like being junior can mean that they're required to explain their lack of experience. Most of my students are bringing significant experience. And it just happens to be in other areas, both in life and in career. But they are not afraid at all to work hard and contribute much. Okay, they are doing that in all areas of their life. And you say, that's so nice, Ellen. That's great. But we still need them to do the job. Well, not only do they work hard in all these different ways of their life, they are not coming to you and saying, train me in UX design, train me in development. They're not coming to you starting at zero. They are very willing to do the work that will build their skills ahead of time, ahead of applying for your job, ahead of interviewing with you, ahead of working for you. They're willing to put in that time so that when they come to you, they can add value and bring the knowledge with them. Okay, all of my students, They know the UX design process. And I know there are a lot of organizations out there that don't. You don't know the UX process or you're not doing it well or you're not exactly sure how to implement it. And my students know. 
I know that a lot of you who are hiring developers, you don't always know how to code yourself. You don't know how to implement effective stories and to make progress on that product because you don't know how to do that. That's why you're hiring someone to do it. My students know how to do that. But not only do they know how to do that, they're showing you how hardworking they are, that they are going to train for not only no pay, but they're going to invest in themselves so that when they come to you, they are bringing you true value. They are bringing you value that shows, hey, I'm someone who builds my skills, who grows, and who is a learner at every stage of life. That's what they're coming to you as. If that sounds like a small thing, I just want you to take a minute. Let's just breathe that in. Because if someone is willing to do the work before you pay them, to do learning that will directly benefit your organization, I don't even want to say on their free time, to make time in their sometimes ridiculously busy lives to put that as a priority, imagine what they'll be able to do when you support them with a small amount of training, even like short-term in-house training. They'll be able to double, triple down because they have more time and space to do that. Oftentimes, my students are moms working full-time jobs and learning this on the side. I don't even want to say on the side. Like they're just making time, okay? They're hopping in their calls between patients. They're going to coffee jobs on the weekends. They're doing whatever it takes. And I think that's an important thing to make note of because you're getting a different type of employee. It's not just someone who's raising their hand and saying, you know what, this week, I think that I will just hop into tech because it pays really well. You're getting someone who's committed and quite frankly, excited to do this work. I mean, they geek out over this stuff. I know because I geek out over it with them, okay? So we just like to go do our product design and dev thing together. And, And we'll come bring that to your organization if you want. But that's what we think is fun and interesting. So imagine what they'll do in your organization when you're supporting them, when you're their full-time job. And when you even just open up, you may even say, well, I don't even have training. Well, do you have a problem that they need to solve? They even know how to find their own training. So what are traditional hiring practices missing in terms of hiring great tech talent? Context. What traditional hiring practices are missing is that other factors go into learning and building skills that when you're doing all these other things that demonstrate your capacity to grow and learn at a faster rate. So what students like mine are able to do is to build their skills while living life, often working one or more jobs raising children, volunteering, doing all the things, and growing their skills. And what students like mine are able to do is prioritize their learning in real-world contexts. Okay, everything we do is in real-world context. So it's not like we learn from a course or a book and then try to figure out what that means in the real world. We just learn real-world projects. We just do the work. That's how we learn. What students like mine are able to do is prioritize their learning in real-world contexts So that they're going to be ready for you. They're going to be a great candidate for you because they understand what it means when you hit a roadblock, what it means when there's a problem that we're not sure how to solve. How do we handle that? How do we grow and find a solution? 
And if you're thinking, well, they should just know all the solutions. Well, that isn't how a technology project works. You're going to have concepts. You're going to think it through. You're going to hit a roadblock. You're going to make a turn. You're going to come back, figure it out this way. And it is important to have the skills that underlie that to be able to navigate that. But all technology projects have that regardless of experience level. So that's what students who are in our membership are able to do. So they've already gone from zero to, say, four before you even meet them. But they'll be at a six or a seven before you know it. So in nine months, you will have a completely different candidate, but at a much lower rate if you can see that far down the road. Now, I know that might sound risky. I know that might sound like you're taking a bet on a quote unquote new person. But consider if real world projects, meaning working with a client and the context of their lives, don't ratchet that risk factor down just a few factors. Okay, so my kids and I, if you've listened before, you know my kids play a lot of sports. I play a lot of sports. Haven't played a lot of sports. My kids play a lot of sports. Some play one, uh, others play, <laughs> others play four. We're still figuring that out. Our middle schoolers recently tried out for club lacrosse teams here in, in Atlanta in our new home. And our high schooler just tried out for her high school volleyball team. So in case you're like, how did that go? Everything went great. Very good outcome. But it prompted this discussion. So you send your child to a tryout. <laughs> One of my son's tryouts had like, we thought it was going to be 100 kids. It was like 160 kids or something like that. But the point is that you send them and maybe you watch a few minutes or you don't, depending. But what do you say to a child or to a, one of your kids when they've just participated in a sport? And if you were to say, you gave great effort, let's face it. This is the discussion I'm having with my kids. Let's face it. That means you sucked. It's like, that's a code word for sucked. It shouldn't mean that. And if you're thinking, well, no, it doesn't really. I get you. I feel you. But the kids are hearing. I surveyed and they're hearing. Well, I suck because you just said I gave great effort, like good old effort. Try there, right? You gave a really great effort. And then the child like fills in. Even if you did play terribly and contributed nothing, you sure did try hard. right? So here's the point. You never tell the superstar, oh, you played with great effort. That's just not the language that we use. Maybe we should. But that isn't the way that we normally use that word effort. And I have another word for you, too. Potential. So the highest form of praise that you can give an athlete is not, oh, she's got great potential. And now that one might be a little more flexible because you could somebody could come in new and you could say, oh, I can really see potential in her can be a positive. But still, that's not someone who's ready for the big leagues. Right. And what's funny is I'm not sure in life that there are two more important things than potential and effort. Do you have the potential to get this done? There are some people who, you know, they may have an interest in being in tech, but they're never going to be there if they haven't learned how to focus. So the potential isn't there. There has to be an element of focus. And the effort component, if you aren't willing to give great effort, meaning that you work hard, you pay attention to how you can improve and you continue to adjust and adapt, that's great effort. Okay, it's not just working hard, but it's really adapting and creating great effort. So I want to paint a scenario, and it's a bit of an extreme scenario, but it's also not totally unrealistic. It's also definitely one that some of you have heard, okay? So if I think of an experienced designer, let's say maybe 20 years, 
And there's someone who's burned out, they're depleted, they're super annoyed by newbies. Why do they ask those dumb questions? That person would actually lack potential and they would likely lack effort. So that is not at all who I would want on my team. And I'm sure it's not who you would want on your team either. But instead, I want a person who came in with knowledge, yes, but the ability to learn quickly. That's really important. And it's really hard to know all of tech, okay? It's not really a thing to know all of tech. I even want to say, you know, design and development. But the reason I incorporate tech, I mean, my students, they'll get clients. And this is very normal that there are many other factors, technology factors that need to go into the process of developing a software product, how we communicate, how we get assets back and forth. That's not nothing. It's definitely a part of that process. So that's just an example of how vast and wide tech can get. Okay, keep that in mind. But in fact, the word tech can even be so vague. So what's tech? Is it texting on Discord? Is it setting up your new iPhone? Does it have to be writing code? What about writing a story to write code? What about designing the software? Like, where's the line? So it can be so big and vague that it doesn't even really have any meaning. But here's how we gain skills in technology as a designer, as a developer, as somebody creating products, as somebody working with clients. There are all these different components to it. The way that we gain our knowledge is through projects. Again, I'll say real world projects, but really I just mean, you know, work that people do. (laughs) It's in that context. So that context is how that project is the context and how we gain clarity around the specific skills that are needed. Okay. So for example, if you're a developer underlying skill, you need to know how to develop code, how to write code. But you aren't going, let's say you get a new project, you aren't going to know which code you have to write for the new project. You have to figure that out. But the code is going to be different than the project before, likely. Or you may be updating code, but you're still going to have to figure out how to do this new feature. And maybe you've done a feature like that before, but it's in a different context now. So when we say like, oh, learning, we've got to learn new skills. No, it's fundamental to the job. You have to be able to problem solve and adapt and grow and learn. It's fundamental to what is going on. And so the way that we're able to gain that context is by just applying it through one project and then another. If you've proven that you can do that, that you can that you're, you have UX design skills, that you have developer skills. If you've demonstrated that, now you've increased your knowledge. Now let's say you do it in another project. How many projects does it take until you can add value at an organization? And the answer is you're adding value by basically the first project you're adding value, but definitely by the second one. Okay, so by the third or fourth project, you're really adding value, even though each project could be a little bit different. You're gaining and leveling up those skills. So you, if you do that in enough situations, you start to believe that you can do that in any situation, which you can. And do you know what that requires? An enormous amount of effort. So potential and effort are the key metrics when hiring great tech talent. So they're not only the things that matter, but they can be key components that easily get overlooked. When comparing, for example, portfolios or your a LinkedIn profile or a resume, 
it's not always understood. So where that person has come from and in what time frame. So another component that will be this great indicator of success and enable you to hire great tech talent is previously demonstrated work through work product. And now the key is, so if we look at that work product from the lens of potential and effort based on that work product. So for example, a new designer's portfolio should be nowhere near the sophistication of an experienced designer's output. I think that's a pretty, it'd be doubtful if anyone disagreed with that, right? That's a pretty obvious thing. So then how do you compare those two? Well, consider the P.E. ratio. It's not just profits, it's profits over earning. Okay, the earning parts matters too. So it's not just work product, it's time as well. How long did it take to accomplish that work product and what hurdles were in the way? So I distinctly remember when I interviewed right out of undergrad, even though it was a few years ago, (laughs) when I interviewed with Accenture, that was an on-campus interview and it was like a, just the first stage. So it was a very quick, I think there were five questions, but they were telling questions. And one of them was, did you work while you were in college? And I really liked that question because I could see that they valued the fact that I was working while gaining my education. So my GPA, I'll just tell you, it was a 3.6. I'm very proud of it. But it was taken at Accenture. It was taken in context of me waiting tables and then also interning in operations role because that's what I did during college. So in other words, my GPA, which was a very respectable 3.6, was taken within the context of my waiting tables and interning with an operations role. It wasn't just a number that we said, okay, well, who has the highest number? No, it was taken in context. So I knew that was a good alignment for me because of the values that were being assessed in the context that I had demonstrated, right? I had demonstrated that I could maintain those grades while while working doing jobs I both hated and loved in college. So I have a student, she's an aspiring designer, and she is quite diligent. But if you look at her portfolio in comparison to other people over the same time horizon, you might not be impressed. Now you said, Ellen, well, hang on. Didn't you just say, well, how much time? Yes, but it's more important that it's context. Time is one factor. But if you learn that while she's putting that portfolio together, She's been homeschooling a tutor for several hours, not just like an hour here, like a dedicated tutor and the head of the church preschool program until recently, which she just finally let go of. But all of that while building her skills. And so when we added up the hours, it was far more than 40 hours a week. And so taken out of context, you might look at her preschool, church preschool coordinator job on her resume and not think that she's a great candidate. But when you learn that she's juggling multiple things that equate to well over 40 hours a week, all while building her UX skills, I think you'd have to admit that the potential and the effort are most definitely at the forefront. So I just want to talk about one other aspect besides potential and effort. And I hope that I've provided context into it to overcome kind of the negative connotations of it and instead look at it as a really key metric to look at when you're hiring great tech talent. 
So the other one is that you'll hear the term, she, oh, well, she has a really positive attitude. <laughs> Again, it's like, but no skills. That's the other thing. Oh, yeah. So I don't like the term positive attitude. I think instead what we're getting at, and I've spent a lot of time kind of talking about this, thinking about it and helping people really kind of manipulate this aspect of assessing people's abilities, just how we look at it in our brains. I think instead of a positive attitude, what people are really looking for is this one-two combination. An emotionally mature person, not a perfect person, not somebody who never says help, not somebody who is always cheery, just an emotionally mature person, meaning they are not constantly dumping their emotions and feelings onto other people. They're able to process and handle their own emotions and ask for support from the people that they need that from when they need it. Okay, emotionally mature plus relentlessly solutions oriented, right? So a positive can-do attitude says like, hey, we're going to find that solution. Yeah, I don't know today, but we're going to figure it out. And again, remember, that's a key part of technology that if we're building an algorithm, we don't know what the algorithm we're going to build is. We don't know what that is yet. If we're building an app, we don't know what the design that is yet. We have to have emotional maturity, but also be relentlessly solutions oriented to understand that there is a solution and we are out to find the best. That's, I'm sure, what every hiring manager is looking for. Nobody says, well, I want someone who finds a great solution most of the time. No, you want it to be relentlessly solution oriented. So I think that if we look at these things, potential and effort and positive attitude, these can be euphemisms for negative things. But when you really dive in, actually, those are the attributes you're looking for. It's just if we need to dial in on our language and attribute it in the appropriate way. It's not in lieu of skills. It's not in lieu of superstardom, but instead it's aligned with them, right? Okay, so we are looking at being having great potential, having an excellent effort, and repeatedly demonstrating repeated excellent effort, emotionally mature, and relentlessly solutions-oriented. So those are the four. If you look at those four, and someone has demonstrated those attributes in the context of a real-world technology project, specifically we're talking about design and development of software, you're going to have yourself a great candidate. So when you're reviewing those resumes and those portfolios, keep in mind the greater importance than what you're seeing and reading, but the context of what you're seeing and reading. What is the context? Because when my student is no longer juggling three jobs or even the two that she's dropped one, your one job is going to be a piece of cake for her. She's going to dedicate an enormous amount of effort with an emotional maturity that maybe is unmatched in your organization. Wouldn't that be great? And with a relentless fulfillment of her potential and relentless solutions-oriented mentality. So I hope that this is helping you think about how hiring great tech talent, if we look for the right things and in the right context, our organization is going to really soar and be better off for the long haul as opposed to just kind of filling a role or looking at a candidate the way we've always looked at it. When we look at it from this other perspective, what we're able to do is gain clarity and context to make a high value selection for our organization.
Thank you so much for spending time with me today. I had a blast. I hope you did too. I will see you next time. Take care. Hey, if you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you have to sign up for the UR Techie email list. Imagine being in the tech job of your dreams. Join me to get the strategies, training, and never-ending support to get hired. Sign up at URTechie.com. That's Y-O-U-A-R-E-T-E-C-H-Y.com. I'll see you next time.